0: Go man! Uh, it was an amazing weekend, uh, and I'm excited to be with y'all this morning. It, it, if you don't, if you don't know me, if we haven't met, my name is Kevin Sell. I, I have the honor, the privilege of leading uh, these young people here at Cleveland Bible Church. And um, man, it was a, it was an amazing weekend. I, I couldn't make it through this morning without crying in the first service. So um, we'll see. We'll see if we can do it in this service, but man, this last night, even um, just right here at this altar, having over a hundred students coming up here and committing to um, be in their schools and living unashamed for the gospel and and proclaiming the good news to their friends, um, man, it was amazing. Um, So awesome, awesome weekend, and like we said, the the theme uh, is is unashamed. Um, comes out of Romans sixteen for uh, for I'm unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe um, and that's what we talked about this this weekend the sessions were hey um, believe it live it and share it and and um, and like I said we had many many students committing to share the gospel, and live that out on their campuses. And so we're going to continue in that theme this morning. And even as Pastor Dave talked last week um, about evangelism, we're, we're going to continue that idea um, this morning because it is hey what we're called to do. Uh, the, the kids hear me say it all the time. Y'all may have heard me say it before, uh, but we say all the time, hey, going to church is boring, but being the church is a great adventure, and what I what I mean by that is not that you know, hey, that we have a boring worship team or boring preachers, right? We have some amazing teachers, but the idea is, hey, if you're just coming on Sunday morning and you're sitting in rows and you're listening to some guy talk and it doesn't affect your life and you don't get out these side of these walls and do something with it, then man, that's boring. That's boring. Why do we come? And so that's what we're going to co- talk about. Um, this morning, so let me let me pray for us, and we'll dive into it. Father, we love you, God, and we are we're grateful. I'm grateful for this weekend. I'm grateful for the impact um, that you made, that you're continuing to make, the fruit that's going to be produced um, from this weekend. Um, God, and we are but thankful most of all for your love, how you display that love upon a cross. Dying for our sins, paying the penalty for our sins. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's by grace we have been saved through faith. This is not our own doing, but a gift from you. And God, I pray that we have a boldness to share that message um, with a lost and dying world. God, that we don't keep it to ourselves. And God, I, I, I thank you that, that your word has the power to transform our lives, God. And I pray that it does that this morning. Only you have the words of life, so would you get me out of the way and speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, many of you may know, uh, a lot of you know, that my youngest son Hudson, who's three, is is going through treatment right now for uh, leukemia, and um, you know any parent, whenever you get you hear you hear cancer, obviously with with your kid, it 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 kind of knocks you knocks you on your rear, right? Um, it was totally unexpected, uh, and and. You know, caught us caught us off guard for sure. Um, but uh, but here's the good news. You know, the 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 goal was for them to uh, knock the leukemia out in the first month of treatment, uh, and then you know it, it's a it's an ongoing process from there, which they did. Um, so he is he is leukemia free. But the nature of leukemia is uh, that it has a tendency come to come back. So. You know, it's still a it's still a two to two and a half year process. But thank God that um, they were able to get it back, and he's at he's at very medium risk now, and treatment is going well. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a it's a journey that we're still on. But right, uh, but as we get started this morning, I want to share with you some of this uh, letter thoughts. That my wife Bethany has written down as she's been processing this whole thing, and um, it's a really long letter. If I if I read the whole thing, it would be my entire message. So, um, but in, in the beginning part of it, she she just talks about this journey and um, you know just the process of of grief and um, but also trusting the Lord in it and all these kind of things. But I'm gonna I'm gonna skip down to sort of the bottom. Of some of her thoughts and just and just read this, uh, really the last part of of the of the letter, and uh, because it's going to set us up to where we're going this morning. Um, so she says this: <clears throat> My favorite moments of this journey so far have been the late nights after Hudson took his steroid. So just to kind of let you know that, that in that first month, he he had a be on uh, you know these steroids which is part of the chemo but man it it made him crazy right he, he's nuts um he's already a hyper 3 year old um and so then yeah that on and man it just he went crazy uh, but but part of that is it keeps him up at night so one of uh, you know you uh, take a steroid in the evening and it and it would keep him up all night he'd be amped up um so Anyway, and she writes that. So she says, my favorite moments of this journey so far have been the late nights after Hudson took his steroid. He took it at night, and it, and it always perked him up and, and made it hard to go to sleep. He'd feel, he'd feel tired and want to lay down, but his brain was just going 90 miles an hour. We would talk and talk, and he'd ask question after beautiful question. Sometimes this would happen at 2 or 4 in the morning when he woke up starving from the steroid and my brain could barely keep up. His questions always started with medicine. Why does medicine have to taste gross? Who makes it? You have to ask them right now. Why can't you? Does God have to take gross medicine? Why doesn't God get sick? Why is he so powerful? Where did he get, where did he get his power from? God made us, right? And God made fill in the blank with 20 different things, right? But who made God? What? How did he do that? Jesus is God, right? Who is the Holy Spirit? So there's three gods? That's hard to understand. Why did Jesus have to die for us? What is sin? Did God make Satan too? Satan doesn't have any arms and legs because he's a snake, right? (laughs) God is bigger than Satan. Is God bigger than fill in the blank with 20 different things? How big is God then? Where is heaven? Does God have a house? Will there be medicine in heaven? Why can't I go there right now? He writes all these questions and more over and over each night for about a month. He's sleeping more on on his regular schedule now and not asking them as often, but I was amazed at how he is processing things and his ability to think of and ask these questions. Most of these conversations led through some kind of Bible overview of creation, the fall, salvation, and restoration. We'd always end up talking of heaven and that one day... With no more pain, there would be a day with no more pain or tears or needles or gross medicine. And he would say, I just want everyone to be in heaven with God right now. And Let me skip down to this last part. And because, man, this is, this is for you, you guys too. Uh, in just your prayers, um, in our small group and everyone that has surrounded us uh, during this time. But she says, carried, I have felt surrounded and carried. That's because of this body, right? And so we thank you. Um, But she says, I do feel joy and thankfulness alongside the sorrow and grief of it all. It's all intermingled, all right and needed. And because of grace, all leading to a glorious day where all will be made right, right. all the bad things will be made untrue, our rescuer is coming and is with us today, the author and finisher finisher of our faith. We're still running, our hardest and best days are ahead, but rest and peace are ours as his grace upon grace supplies all we need moment to moment. And so, the reason I start there this morning and share all of that with you is because this morning we're talking about the fact that we get to share and be unashamed, but we get to share with the world, ultimately the cure for cancer and every other kind of disease, sickness, pain, sorrow, anxiety, depression, everything else that's broken in our world because it's marred by sin. We get to share the cure to that, that there will be a day when there is no more pain and tears and sorrow and disease. And just like those conversations that Bethany had, um, has been having with Hudson late at night, about heaven and sickness, that that one day there will be a day with no more pain or tears or needles or gross medicine. Um, And as Hudson said, I just want everybody to be in heaven right now. And that's what we want, right? We want everybody, we want to bring as many people with us into the kingdom as possible. And here's the deal, we get to share that good news with others and be unashamed of the gospel. Because What we believe is that the source of all of our problems, the source of all of our pain, all of our problems is sin. And the solution, the cure, is Jesus. It's the gospel. So we cannot be ashamed. So the question for this morning is how do we live unashamed um, of the gospel? Uh, Another way to ask it would be what is the antidote to shame? What is the cure? To shame. And so that's what we're going to talk about. I want to look at some reasons I believe that we are ashamed to share our faith today, but really look at the antidote to shame. So we're going to dive into a book in your New Testament, a book Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. So if you want to turn there, it's a letter from Paul to Timothy, and we're going to look at three things that are the antidote. To shame. We're going to look at three things that um, are the antidote to being ashamed of the gospel this morning. Okay? So, so to set this up, Paul wrote this about uh, AD 67, about 67 years after the birth of Christ. Paul is in, in prison. He's about to be killed. And this is his last letter that he'll write. And he's writing to his young protege, Timothy. And so, Timothy is tempted, right, because Paul is in prison, um, about to be killed. Timothy is tempted to to shrink back, and Paul writes, and he says, hey, don't don't shrink back. Press forward, right? Your grandmother had had a faith. Your mom had a faith. Now, I'm convinced that you have a faith, Timothy. Don't shrink back. Press forward. In fact, he says, I want you to fan into flame this faith. Right? Breathe on it. Throw kindling on it. Throw kerosene on it. Throw gasoline on it. Fan into flame this faith. Let it grow. And here's the deal. Everybody came in here with a, a flame of faith. Right? Some of you, I don't know what you're right. I don't know where everybody's at, but, but some of you a birthday candle. Some of you a bonfire. And some of you somewhere in between. And you need to know, right? I don't, I don't know, but you need to know where you're at. Do, do I have this contagious bonfire of faith so everything I touch, right, sets on fire? Or is it a birthday candle ready to be snuffed out? Where are you? Fan into flame, Paul says. Then he writes these words in verse 7. for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. He says Timothy as you as you yield more to God's power right your fear is going to be replaced with power love and self-control and, it, and, it, and again it's like this idea of dependence, right? We've been in the book of Acts, and we've talked so much about being filled with the Spirit. The idea of being filled with the Spirit is, right, we don't, you know, when we come to faith in Jesus, we get the full Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, but being filled with the Spirit is us yielding to His Spirit, right? I love the analogy that Dean used uh, a few weeks ago where he talked about a sailboat, right, when you, when you just allow the wind to take your cell where you want to go. We are you're completely dependent on the, the wind, right? And you let it take you. That's being filled with the spirit. So as we yield, Paul's saying to Timothy, as you yield more to God's Spirit, when you yield to his power, you're, you're filled with power, love, self-control. Your fear will be replaced with. Power, love, and self-control. Okay? Verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So, by the power of God, be unashamed, Timothy, and join me. Don't be ashamed. Be unashamed and join me. Verse 9. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. So it's not because of our works that we're saved, just like um, Ephesians 2 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, but the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So it's who saved us, he says, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of works, but because of his own purpose and grace. God saved you in spite of you for his purpose, according to his grace. And it's nothing that you've done. It's nothing that you've done. Grace, which he gave us in Christ before the ages began and which is now, which Um, now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So Paul writes, Hey, Jesus was here, Timothy. He suffered and he died for our sins. He was buried and on the third day he rose from the grave. He defeated death, Timothy. He's offering life. This is the gospel. This is the good news, Timothy. Do not be ashamed of it. Verse 11, through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which, I, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. Be unashamed, Timothy. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day, what has been entrusted to me. So the world saw Paul as, as a common criminal, right? As he sat in prison, he's about to die, the world saw him as a, as a wacko, right? Maybe someone uh, deserving prison and death, just a common criminal. He's sitting in prison, and he says, "Hey, don't be ashamed of this, right? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Yes, but don't be ashamed of me." or be ashamed of the gospel, the message of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't shrink back, Timothy. Press forward. And and, and so here's the deal. I think sometimes we're afraid of how the world will view us. Maybe we don't know how or or we're timid, but I think a lot of times we're afraid of how the world is going to view us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on verse 7 now. Um, For for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So why are we timid? I'm going to spend the rest of the morning answering that question. What is the antidote, the cure to being timid or ashamed of the gospel? What is the antidote for shame? The first part of the antidote is the power of God. Right? We we just talked about this, but that's what he says in verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. And I think a lot of times we're ashamed because we think that we're not effective. Right? We're relying on our own power and we think that we're not effective. Uh, And I think some uh, some of us don't share our, our faith because we believe it will not make a difference. We think... They live in Cleburne, Texas, right? I mean, we're in the Bible Belt. They've heard the gospel. There's a church on every corner. What am I going to tell them that they don't already know? I won't be effective. Or I've shared the gospel with them so many times, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. They don't listen. And we're afraid that we won't be effective. But Paul says the Spirit gives us power. It gives us power. This is, this is, the opportunity to partner with, right, And we're we're going to get to this. But like, God doesn't need us to save people. But He invites us into the work that He's doing. He invites us. He, we are the means that He's using for people to hear the gospel. And so this is the opportunity to partner with the, the power of God when we share our faith. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes. But listen, you, I, we cannot save anyone. We can't save someone. But God saves people. You can share, God saves. We get to partner and intersect with the power of God. And there is this spiritual thing happening when we share the gospel that is the power of God who saves. And I think some of us, we're just afraid, right? We think the only thing that's going to change when I talk to them about Jesus is they're just going to think I'm weird, right? That's going to be the outcome of that conversation, the end. They're just going to think I'm weird. And we forsake and forget the reality that the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who who spoke the world into existence, the one who who holds the span of the universe in his hand, that's holding everything together by the word of his power, that God is going to intervene with our words and use them to bring the dead to life. It's the power of God. He's the one that saves. He uses us, and we get to partner with him in that mission. And here's the other thing. Obedience is not defined by the outcome. Obedience is obedience. Obedience is not defined by the outcome. You being obedient is not contingent on them becoming a Christian or not. You sharing your faith, you being obedient to share, that's your role. So let me say it like this, sharing is up to you, saving is up to God. Say that again, sharing is up to you, but saving is up to God. You can't save anyone, you never will. In fact, of all the commands to share your faith, there are no commands to save anyone. Dozens and dozens of commands from Jesus and the prophets and God and the Holy Spirit to tell you, Hey, if you're my follower, you need to share the gospel with people. But there are no commands to save them. That's God's responsibility. You are a herald. Christ is a savior. Okay? The second piece, number two, the second piece um, of the antidote for being unashamed is the love of God. The love of God. So it is love. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love. And, and um, I, was, I, I believe so often we're ashamed of sharing the, sharing the gospel because we think, um, you know, it doesn't feel loving. Right. And that's that's big. That's big in our culture right now. Right. It just, it just doesn't feel loving. Whenever we're, we're talking about what someone believes and the possibility of hell and how their beliefs are contingent upon whether they go to heaven or hell, it just can feel sort of, you know, judgmental, right? Not loving. But listen, it is loving. It is the most loving thing that we can tell because it is the truth. If it's true, it is certainly loving, right? I mean, think about it this way. Could you imagine if we went to the hospital with Hudson, they, the doctors found out that he had cancer. They, they knew. They, they knew he had cancer. But they decided that, that's just, that it's, it's just too hard of no, news and it's, it's not really loving to tell these parents that he has cancer. That he has this, this disease that's going to kill him unless we do something about it. Like they didn't tell us that. Hudson may be, you know, I don't know how long it takes leukemia to kill kill somebody, but he may be dead now if they would have told us that. Right? Is that loving? No. That would be hateful, wouldn't it? And it's the same with the gospel. People are dying and going to hell and we have all we have the cure. I wanna show you a, a clip real quick. Um if you've ever seen Penn and Teller, they, they're sort of a, this magician comedy act. Um, this video went viral a while back, so some of you may have seen it, but Penn is a proclaimed atheist, and this, this, uh, this video clip that you know they put out a while back where he talked about this guy who came up to him after, after his show, and I'm kind of paraphrasing some of this because the video is kind of long, so I just took a clip of it, uh, but... Basically, the guy came up to him after the show, handed him a Bible, and shared the gospel with him. And, um, and he says, you know, I still don't believe in God, but he says this about the guy who shared the gospel. So, y'all watch this. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever— and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, and atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself, Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you, and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. Man. So, this, I mean, this is coming from an atheist, right? He he, he doesn't believe in God, but just this idea. And he, he talks about how good this guy was and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that's kind of the end of his video. But, it, but it's this idea of, man, like, if you truly believe that, which we... We do, right? And we know that it's true. How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them that? I mean, the whole truck analogy, right? And this is so much more important. And I think we wrestle with this idea, especially in 2023, right? Of, we wrestle with the idea of the, exclus- the exclusivity of Christ, right? That he's the only way. And that's what that's what culture says. It's just so unloving about Christianity. Um, you know, Christianity just feels so exclusive. And listen, I, I, I want you to know why it feels so exclusive. Because it is. It feels exclusive because it is. Jesus says in John fourteen six, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through." Me. No one, not anybody, no one ever will, no one ever has come to the Father except through Jesus. This is the one way. Friends, Christianity is exclusive, but here's the deal, and here's what we need to get. It is also so inclusive because everyone is invited. Everyone is invited, and we are the ones that do the inviting, but for many of us, we, we've we've made church, um, we've made this church, this an exclusive club here, right? Hey, come and and consume and learn and keep it to yourself. Listen, his followers, us, we get to uh, we get to the determine how inclusive it is. And that's profound to me, right? That it is exclusive, but we get to determine how inclusive it is. There's only one way to God, and we have to be inviting and sharing that way with people. And it's always, always, always loving to tell people the the truth, to tell people The way. Listen, if if we're in an airport, I've heard a pastor use this um, analogy before, and kids probably have heard me overdo it because I use it constantly. Um, But I don't know if they listen or not to me. But uh, (laughs) but anyways, this is that analogy. Let's say that you're in another country, right? Uh, And you're in an airport. And you can't speak the language. All the signs are written in another language. And you, but you need to catch a flight. You got to get back to Dallas Love Field because I don't think foreign countries fly to that airport anymore. I was like, where am I? Uh, But you got to get back to Dallas Love Field. You're walking around and you're trying to figure out what what plane gets me back to Dallas. You're looking at the signs. Right? They, uh, none of them are in English, so you don't know you're reading, so you start asking people. Most people aren't speaking English, and you're like, man, I've got to figure out what plane gets me back to Dallas. And you finally come to this guy, he speaks English, you say, hey, what plane is getting me back to Dallas, Texas? And, and he's like, oh, man, just jump on any plane, they all go to Dallas. <laughs> in the moment, right, you're like, well, that's great. I can choose anyone. I'll just jump on. And so you jump on a plane, and then you end up in Russia. (laughs) Right? It's not loving anymore. Um, Because you ended up somewhere that you did not want to be. There is nothing loving about that. And and the other thing is there's nothing in life where we say, oh, you want to go somewhere? There's lots of ways to get there. Just just. Just choose any road or any flight or any path, and you'll eventually get there, right? There is nothing in life that we would say that to, but for some reason here, people want to say it's unloving to say that there's one way. Telling people that there are many ways to God is not loving. Oh, any path will get you there, right? sounds loving, but it's just not true, and therefore, it's not loving. The truth is loving. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power. Not uh, not only does it give us power, but it gives us love. So not only do we get access to God's power, but we get to intersect with an all-loving, all-powerful God. And he interjects love into our words. And it's loving to share that message. If, If God is good and hell is real, then sharing the truth is the single most loving thing that we could do for someone. And he gives us the spirit of love to help us to do that, to share with, with that motivation, right? Because 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul says, it's Christ's love that compels us. 1 Corinthians 13 says, it's, our motive must be love. So it's love. That's the second part. The third part of the antidote is self-control, self-control, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, I had some really long conversations this week with Pastor Dave and Dean and just trying to kind of figure this one out because this, this word that Paul uses here for self-control is loaded. Um, some of your versions may say sound mind, some say soberness, some say self-discipline, um, but the, the idea here, well, because it does kind of, this word encapsulates all of those things. But the idea here is, um, is that of an awareness, right? It is a mind that is not manipulated by uh, anything, right? It's not manipulated by or distracted by the things of the world. It's not manipulated by fear or distraction, it is, a, it is a soberness, a, a sound mind under the control of the Holy Spirit. Paul uh, says in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It is a sound mind. It is the sense of uh, not being distracted, right? And now so in the sense of self-discipline, the idea of the word is still, you know, is careful, rational, and sensible thinking. Having a sound mind requires uh, this thought process based on the wisdom and clarity that God imparts rather than being manipulated by fear. Okay, so, so it takes discipline. So we, so we know what the mission is, and we are not distracted by all of these other things and so let me bring this back to evangelism because and I think I think we are a lot of times ashamed because you know maybe we don't know how to share the gospel right and so here's the deal I think sometimes we think we have to have all of the answers to share our faith I've got to have all the answers. Like we have to be, be um, you know, have a doctorate in apologetics, right? Because we think that people are just going to be laying out all these questions on us, right? About the, you know, whatever, all the apologetic questions. But, here, but here's the idea of self-control in a sound mind. It is having, you're not distracted, and having the one answer, which is Jesus. Okay? Because here's what we need to know on the street, right? Or with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, when you're talking to someone for the purpose of sharing your faith, it is about Jesus. Not all this other stuff. Well, what about dinosaurs? What about Jesus? What about carbon dating and tectonic plates and the age of the earth? Good question go ask dean about that <laughs> but hey what do you think about jesus evangelism is about jesus well, i don't know but what do you think about the whole global flood local flood we can talk about that some other time let me ask you a question what do you think about jesus do you know him do you know that he died for your sin do you know that he came back to life can we talk about Jesus? Listen, it's not nearly as difficult as the enemy wants to convince us. Can we talk about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? Because the gospel is this. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. Three days later, he was raised to life, and people saw him. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised to life. Three days later, and people saw saw him. That is the gospel. Paul writes it as clearly as possible in 1 Corinthians 15, and this is the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and three days later, he raised again, and people saw him, right? And the people saw him part is just a stumbling block, right? You have to deal with it because he says over 500 people saw him, and Paul says, go ask them, Right? They're still alive. Go talk to them. You know, folks, saw this man come back to life. People wrote books about it, accounts about it. Go ask them. They saw him. He's alive. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised to life three days later, and people saw him. And when we put our faith alone in Christ alone, by his grace alone, we are saved. That is the gospel. It's a free gift. But what about tectonic plates? I I don't know. I don't even know how to spell tectonic, okay? (laughs) Uh, But what I do know is Jesus. What about Jesus? Jesus died for your sins, and we go there and we share. Can I just tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you what he did? It's good news, man. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love, not just power and love, but also self-control. So it will take a sound mind, self-control, discipline, right? To get better at this. it'll, It'll take discipline to get to get better at better at this, to share your faith. You'll have to push through the awkward tension with the goal of the the goal, the sound mind, the goal of the gospel in mind. That's it, right? And listen, there are there are some great tips and tricks and tools. If those are helpful for you, uh, Pastor Dave talked about uh, one of the questions that he loves to ask last week. You know, where where people will um, come up and he just he'll catch something they say and say, "Hey, are you interested in spiritual things?" Um, you know, there's questions like that. The do you have a faith? Um, do you have any spiritual beliefs? There's the Kennedy questions on the scale of one to 10. How sure are you that you would go to heaven if you died today? Um, you know, if you're before God, um, and he asks you, why should I let you into heaven? Um, what would you say? I don't know that God would ask that question, but it's a great, great way to get people thinking. um, well, we teach the students in the student ministry. They, they should be able to say it with me. I don't know if they will. Uh, but it's the gospel acronym, Like right? So it's, it's G, God created us to be with him. O, our sins separate us from God. S, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. P, paying the price for our sins. Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in him has eternal life. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And then L, life. With God starts now and lasts forever. There you go. So they've got it, right? That's a great one. Ask, admire, admit. You ask questions. um, You listen. You find something to admire. You admit that you're a sinner in need of grace. You share the gospel, right? Those are some great, there's some great tools and tricks out there. If those are helpful. If those are helpful to you, great. But the key is this. The key is this. To have self-control to be sober-minded when you're sharing your faith and talk about Jesus, all right? He goes on, verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but sharing in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Paul invites us to suffer with him. Did Paul suffer for the gospel? There's this little section of scripture I want to read to you real quick in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28. Paul writes this, five times I received at the hand of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship, though many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from all from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Did that brother suffer for the gospel? He suffered. And as I look at this man, I just, I, I just have to ask the question: Right? Um, could you imagine? Could you imagine having a conversation with Paul about evangelism? Paul, man, you don't understand, Kleberin, bro. It's hard. Like, no, man, I've, i I've, I've got, I've got these coworkers. You know, it's, it's just really tough, bro. You know, and, and, he's understanding. He's like, I get it, man. I get it. They're coming at you with whips. Maybe they're gonna, they're gonna stone you to death. No, no, Paul, it's, it's, it's not whips. They don't, they don't want to, they don't want to kill me. Oh, okay, okay. It's prison, right? They're they're gonna they're gonna throw you into prison in the cold dungeon. M- Nero, he's crazy. No, Paul, and Nero's dead. Um, it it's not really like no one's gonna put me in jail. Oh, okay. No, they don't even do that. They they just they just straight up cut your head off, right? They're just gonna take your head off. No, it's not. Paul, it's not, they're going to take my head off them. It's not really that. Well, what is it then, man? Why, why aren't you telling them? Why are you afraid? Well, Paul, you know, Mr. Apostle, it's, uh, it's just awkward. <coughs> awkward? Is that some kind of medieval torture device? <laughs> what do you mean, awkward? Awkward? you know, they're going to think I'm weird, Paul. I mean, could you imagine having that conversation with Paul? This gospel, this gospel that that brother faithfully carried forward so you and I could benefit from it, so that we, we could be with God forever, so that you can li- you know, live your life for his purpose, for his glory, to and, and be with him forever. He suffered and he lost his head for us, and we're like, "But Paul, you want me to share, man? My friends are going to think I'm weird, man. Don't make me do it. It's crazy." And here's the deal. Here's the deal about this whole thing, man. Like, I, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think any of us would say that we're ashamed of Christ. I don't think we would say that. But the thing is, we talk about the things that we're not ashamed of. We talk about the things that we're passionate about, right? Uh, Even when LSU's not doing good, right, I talk about LSU football. Like, you might be annoyed by it because I talk about it too much. Me and Dean go back and forth all the time, A&M, LSU. Like, yeah, we talk about it. We talk about the things that we're passionate about. Do not be ashamed. This is what God has done. He said, tell them. Tell them. Make it inclusive. Tell everyone the way that they can come to me. That they can have life. I came to give life and give it abundantly. And so, I mean... Let me share right now, right? If there's anybody in here that, that doesn't know Jesus, he came to give life. He came and he died. He sent his one and only son to come and pay the penalty for your sin. And you can't earn a relationship with him, you don't work. To earn a relationship with him, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, but the gift of God. How do you get a gift when somebody's giving you a gift? You receive it. It's free. So if anybody in here hasn't done that, man, first of all, take a step across that line and do that today. But for those of us that have, man, there is a lost and dying world out there where people don't know Jesus, and we know the cure to sin and all the brokenness that comes with it. We have to share. And if you're not motivated by that, let me just say, you're you're missing out on the blessing of God, the full spiritual life, the goodness that he offers to those who faithfully share their faith. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Be unashamed. The spirit of power will work through your faithfulness. The spirit that, that gives us love will work through your faithfulness. God's spirit, which gives us self control, will work through your faithfulness. You want to see lives change? You want to see revival? Right? In Johnson County and Cleburne and our nation, see our county, our community, our country change. This is how it starts. This is how movements start. The people of God being faithful to share the good news of Jesus Christ and live out the mission that he has given us. Let me pray. Father, we. Are grateful for the gospel, God. Help us to live on mission, to be your witnesses here in Cleburne, our Jerusalem, in Judea, our, our county, in Samaria, into the ends of the earth. God, we pray. It would start here in Cleaver Bible Church that we would spread the good news of the gospel to our community and we would see lives changed and that would spread to our nation, to our country, to our world. God, we want to see people have freedom and the cure to to sin and all the brokenness that comes with it, God. That's only found in you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. God, help us to proclaim that good news. In Jesus' name.